0: Welcome to the Electrician Success Podcast. I'm Greg Allen, and this is your daily performance boost. If you're interested, signing up to the Electrician Success Academy, we've got an offer at the moment for anyone that listens to this podcast. Use the coupon code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all in capital letters, to get 10% off, a lifetime 10% off, any of the memberships. So thanks again and let's start this episode now. Hey Ash, welcome. Welcome to the Electrician Success Podcast. I'm really excited to have you on board. You're doing some epic adventures at the moment and looking forward to learning about how you're about to run 1000Ks in 10 days next year but also about your journey through um, as an electrician, through life and as an apprentice and through to become a tradesman then a contractor and now the GM of or Snyder in Adelaide. Sure. Pretty exciting stuff. So, thanks for being on board with us.
1: Now, welcome, and thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm, you're uh, pleased you're, to be here.
0: Welcome. But I'd love to kick it off with. Um, I love this question, and it's why did you become an electrician in the first place? Yeah,
1: it's an interesting one, Greg. I did my electrical apprenticeship with the Australian Defence Force in the army, and that all that journey started with my brother, who was also in the army, but a few years in front of me doing electronics, and I think the the tie was the Defence Force first and then the look at what trade would give me the best stepping stone later in life yep. uh, to, to continue on in business and that's where I, I went out and did some work experience in electrical um, and had a look at it from a few companies in Adelaide and, and that's the one I chose and then and I was accepted through uh, into the Defence Force so that's where I went. Oh,
0: excellent. What's it like in the uh, doing an apprenticeship in the Defence Force? So yeah, it was look, the Army, it, wasn't it?
1: It was army mate. Yeah, yeah so it, it was a, a really good insight. If I look back now, I'd say to anyone, do it if you get the chance. Uh, at the time, I was probably thinking, what have I done? I remember <laughs> the first morning, we uh, we got bussed over from Adelaide to Albury, and I got off the bus at six o'clock in the morning, and it had been a forty degree night, and the bus air conditioning had broken down, and we all didn't, no one slept, and we walked off the bus, and the biggest bloke I've ever seen in my life. Um, started just yelling at us <laughs> and getting us in line. And uh, we thought back then, gee, what have we done? Can we get back on the bus and go home? But uh, from that day, mate, you know, the self-discipline that taught us, you know, I I, I left, you know, living at home with mum and dad straight out of year 12, finishing uh, HSC, um, schooling. yeah, uh, Straight into, you know, having to provide for myself and and uh, obviously all the, all the discipline and the likes that you need to have once you join, uh, you know the army and the defence force. So it was interesting. So I'd always say to someone now, you know, I think it set me up in life just for self-discipline and self-drive and self-motivation. So if you had the chance, um, it's a great way. It's also interesting the way the the defence force goes about it is it's two years uh, trade training, so technical and on the books, yeah. and then it's two years full time uh, on the job with a contractor in Sydney. So you head to Albury for a couple of years, you do. So you end up with hundreds of hours more of the book stuff um, through being full-time at um, the Army TAFE College, and then you head to Sydney and you spend two full years with a contractor learning your actual trade. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit different, but uh, a good way to do it.
0: Yeah. So what would be the number one takeaway in terms of when you learnt the self-discipline and self-motivation? What was the takeaway that you got from the Army, do you think?
1: I think it was the drive to – yeah, I think it was the drive to make sure that, you know, if you want something in life, you've got to go and get it. Uh, certainly, when we got to the army, there was no one holding our hand. There was no one saying, he will lead you along. It was you find out what you need to do and how you need to do it and best survive through that, that initial three months of basic training we went through. Yep. And that's probably the takeaway that is if you want something, go and get it.
0: Yeah, awesome. Mm. Awesome, cool. And then from there, you finish your apprenticeship, and then what happened?
1: So I spent the next three years traveling. I, I uh, moved to Brisbane for a year with the Army, then I moved back to Melbourne uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and then it was time for for what I thought was, I'd seen enough and I wasn't at that stage willing to go through the ranks in the Army. I didn't see it as a, a long-term career for me. I, I achieved my apprenticeship, which is what I set out to do, and a few years uh, within the Defence Force and we learned lots of different trades and skills and uh, it was amazing even things uh, I was with the engineers, so we learned how to build bridges and, you know, blow stuff up and all sorts of way different things that any other spark in civilian street would yeah,
0: with know. T- with two forty,
1: with uh, <laughs> no. lots of yeah. mate, lots of lots of I've blown up a lot of pliers in my life. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, a lot of different life skills in that regard that sort of blow you away. Yeah. Uh, you know, those experiences, and then I, I uh, made the decision to uh, leave the army in, and uh, move back to Adelaide and uh, started an uh, electrical career with a company here in Adelaide. Cool. Yeah, so I spent, a, I spent about 18 months with them. Yep. And then uh, my drive was to have my own business, and that's what I ended up heading into.
0: When did you have that drive? When did you first go, I'm going to start my own business?
1: Oh, probably uh, probably after being in Sydney with contractors. Uh, I looked at that and I thought, oh, I can do this. And, and you learn from different people that you, you work with and different ways you want to do do things, but I saw—I uh, suppose I saw some of the good side of life with the contractors and what you what you get out of a business when you're the the boss, and and that was something the army taught me is also that that leadership side of it. So I always wanted to have my own business, probably from my, when I finished my apprenticeship.
0: Yeah, excellent, cool. Yeah. And um, so the next was it 12 years you had your contracting business?
1: Yeah, so 12 years and grew to about 10 guys and uh, was quite excited about that, and then. Uh, with a couple of years to go, I, I had a mate who came into the business with me as a partner and went into air conditioning as well. So that was quite exciting, another skill to learn. Um, then unfortunately, he and his family uh, made a um, sea change decision, as was oh, popular right. probably back then, and decided to move to Queensland. Um, so at that stage, uh, I had a choice to continue running it on my own or to look at other uh, other opportunities. Um, electrical actually on the tools wasn't exciting me. As much as I thought it should, um, and that's when I started my sales career uh, with the Clipsaw and Schneider business.
0: Cool. All right. Well, before we get into that, can you just tell sure. us, as a contractor, what would you say um, your your number one technical ability was, where you like you knew you were the best at it. Like that's the, you're you are <laughs> the best at this.
1: Yeah. I, I look. Back, one, one point was I did a lot of residential in my own business, and. I lived in a, I'd still live in an old area, and so there was a lot of rewires that came out of the old places. Oh, yeah. And I think my best, not so much technical on the tools, because residential, as we know, is not super difficult to do, but the best thing I learned from a rewire was speed um, and agility through a roof and, and the best way to wire and the best way to work it out. So one, the customer who was still living in the house at the time wasn't without power for too long. Yeah. Um, so the best way to get that done, and I suppose from a technical Billy, about the what different wiring uh, ways we could do it, so that we could easily do a changeover in a day and and get their power back on for that night.
0: Cool. Well, if you don't mind, let's. Can, do you mind diving into like the how you you were able to get in and out really fast? Like, what was the the preparation? What did you do with your team? Um, how did you move fast through the roof? And what were those things that you wired? the way you did to um, get that speed and, and productivity out of the rewire?
1: Yeah, sure. So we'd always have, uh, we'd draw a plan of the house when we arrived. We'd draw a plan of where all the power points the light which the lights were. Uh, I would have a, a guy on power, a guy on lighting, and then I would flip between who needed the most help. And in one regard to lighting, we we would run all of our active mutual work, so obviously up to the light point through the roof. And then we'd wire a junction box at every light point and have a switch wire neutral earth come out yep. um, and so they're all sitting there waiting to go. So on the day of lighting changeover, we'd have a twin waiting to go down the old conduit. Yep. We'd have one cable that it would have to go into the existing light fitting. So instead of having three or four actives coming in and then a switch wire, so we'd go around on the morning of the lighting changeover and we'd do a lighting changeover one day and a power changeover the next day. And we'd go in, pull all the light switches off, pull all the light fittings down. And then one guy on the roof would go through poking all the cables down, and and then we'd all come down and fit it off. So it worked really well having one cable at a switch and one cable at a light. Yeah. And with all the connections in the roof.
0: And not doing junctions in the light fitting and all the messy. Yeah. The yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As sure. you know, light fittings aren't the best for giving your room, uh, especially fancy decorative light fittings. So to have one cable sitting there, even ceiling fence to that point, having that one one cable with a single maybe uh, just made it a lot quicker on the fit off.
0: Yeah, sure. And what would be the worst looking house that you went to? What was it geared up to look like?
1: There was a house we quoted once, and I never actually ended up doing it. Um, It was a two-story place. It was a Tudor-styled roof space. So we were going to have to end up making the downstairs ceiling look like Swiss cheese, to be able to get the cables through yeah. so we quoted accordingly we were going to be there a long time but um yeah unfortunately we didn't end up getting that job or doing it i'm not sure if the owner ever did because i still run past there now in my training and i still see the same mains up so i'm not sure <laughs> yeah. if he ever did it 20 no, years ago no but...
0: way i'm doing that
1: <laughs> <laughs> he saw it and thought it wasn't going to be as hard but we said that the patching afterwards was probably gonna be as much as the rewire itself, so we left that one with him. but that one would have been the worst one yeah, uh, if we'd actually done it, so uh, it was interesting.
0: Cool, awesome. And then you moved into sales in Clipsaw. Uh, so yeah, what, what sort of a salesman, are
1: you? Uh, I, I'm gonna say I'm a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I certainly learned a lot of sales skills, having my own business, and talking to customers about quoting and tendering, and. And, and following up your quotes and things like that I think that's one of the biggest things I learned is you can do a million quotes but if you don't follow any of them up um, you know the, the chances of winning a lot of them is probably pretty slim yep. so that was one thing I learned really early so going into a sales role it was about you know whatever you promise to do do it yeah don't tell some guy you're gonna go and find out and ring him straight back when you know even if you haven't got the answer straight away ring back and let you let him know you're still following it up and then ring back when you've got that answer. It's just there's nothing worse than being left hanging, wondering if something's happening, not happening, you know. And especially if you, you know you're on a job waiting for a call back because it's a certain way you got to wire a part or something like that, um, or a certain problem. Then I think that's the biggest thing I learned early on was to get back to people and, and do what you promised to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I started my career as uh, as a sales rep, so I started at the bottom of the of the chain, I suppose, and and then worked my way. I've been with uh, the business 12 years now. And work my way up to be general manager of partner programs.
0: Awesome. What's that? Mm-hmm. What's that role like? What's that involve?
1: So it, it's uh, a lot of people will say it's the best role in Clipsal and Schneider in regards. to I get to look after Club Clipsal, um, our switchboard builder program, the hub. I get to look after the Clipsal Five Hundred from a sponsorship point of view and an activation point of view. Uh, I now look after Eco Expert, which is a terrific uh, program for our uh, uh, probably more technical. Contractors out there, especially in automation and uh, power quality and the likes. Yeah. Um, I also get to look after pretty much the whole electricians channel nationally now in regards to what we do from a strategy for, for the electricians out there. So it's been uh, a really exciting role. I've been in it for the last three years. Um, so yeah, it's uh, always something different to do.
0: Yeah. What's your favorite out of all those things? What's your favorite thing?
1: Uh, probably clips of 500
0: yeah <laughs> what a day I mean weekend
1: <laughs> yeah so I get to run that and and I mean there's a lot of work putting it together um you know we have uh, probably a thousand people that come to the the track on different packages and different likes but um there's a lot of six months of preparation to get everyone there and but it's a a massive weekend and it's amazing to see how much people really really do enjoy it so yeah. it's been a good ride for uh, 18 years yeah that had the sponsorship
0: yeah it's been awesome yeah, I've been to one, and yeah, what a day, a oh, weekend. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of flying home on that after that one was quite sick. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> most people are up the
0: Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> it's gets done for the few days afterwards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Well, um, tell me about this. So you're so you're doing a, an amazing uh, feat coming up next in February. So you're going to be running yeah. a thousand kilometres in ten days. Um, so tell me, like, what, what's the reason why you're doing that first?
1: <laughs> uh, the reason is it's, it's my way of helping. I'm very fortunate. I've got three sons who are, who are exceptionally healthy and over my time with different charities, I've had a chance to meet a lot of kids out there that just need a lot of help. And it's something that I can do from a fitness point of view, but it's something I want to do um, to be able to help. You know, if I if I was rich, then it's easy. I'd just give some money. Um, I'm not, so this way I can actually do something that maybe a feat that others would never think of doing or never dream of doing, and raise some good money and be able to help the kids out there. That you know, it's just amazing the numbers of kids that need help um, from all sorts of different disabilities and and illnesses. Mate, it's it's uh, scary.
0: Yeah, and what are the charities that you're supporting? So, two time.
1: charities, Julian Burton Burns Trust and Variety. It's a bit unique to bring two charities into an event like this, so they've had to learn how to work together, um, and the money will be split straight down the middle uh, for everything we raise between both charities.
0: Yep. Um, can you tell me why you're supporting the charities that you are?
1: Yeah, sure. So Julian Burton Burns Trust is our corporate partner at the moment. They have been for about the last six or seven years, and we do a smoke alarm deal. So for all the contractors out there that buy our smoke alarms, we send fifty cents for every smoke alarm to Julian Burton Burns Trust, and they use that money in the prevention of uh, and the and the care of burns, mm. um, and also from a they do a lot of school programs to try to get the kids to understand what can happen. Um, over that time, you know, uh, we've raised just over a million dollars wow. uh, for Julian Burton, and it was a chance to um, reignite that program. I think over a certain amount of years when it just runs and runs that it starts to lose a little bit of its of, of its um, flair. So I wanted to reignite that program within our business and also the electrical industry that we are still doing it. It's a million-odd dollars that we've given, and we've built gyms for kids with burns that need rehab, We've um, built rooms in hospitals. They need to be in, so they're cool. And it's it's amazing wow. what we can end up doing with this money. Yeah. And then variety, uh, the Children's Charity is our Club Clipsal Charity for the next two years. So that was a no-brainer to be able to support that charity as well.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Awesome. Um, and uh, how are you going so far with fundraising? Towards yeah, that?
1: really well. It's it's obviously called the Club Clipsal One Thousand and. Yep. Uh, very pleased that the advisory board of Club Clipsal, which is made up of all of uh, your peers in uh, the contracting businesses out there, yep. uh, made a decision very early to donate what would have been the Club Clipsal gift money for this year. So we're really excited about that. So that's given us a big lead up into the charity straight away. So at the moment we're sitting somewhere around the $330,000 mark.
0: Yep, and do you have a target?
1: 400 is our target, yep. but I'd actually really like to do half a million. Yeah. I just think that sounds really good.
0: Awesome. And Sorry. how can people support, uh, what are ways that people can support yep. anyone that's listening to this? Where, where should they go? What should they do?
1: So if they go to Clipsal.com forward slash Club 1000, or they can find us on Facebook at Club One Thousand. 1000, uh, but on the website, there's a Donate Now button, so they can go on and donate. Uh, Safe and Sure actually is a business in Brisbane, Greg, have come on board and and donating um, they're donating a dollar a PowerPoint oh, yeah. and he's been doing this since June so he'll be donating to us a uh, dollar for every PowerPoint he's put in and five dollars uh, for every smoke alarm he puts oh. in over that time till I run. So so that was one little thing and, and you'll see in the club, for all the club clips from members with Connected that's just come out, there's a big story in there about that as well so check your Connected magazine out and and have a look at that. But yeah, look, we're happy if people want to, uh, you know, uh, donate some money or get involved with their local charities as well. You know, there's so many people out there that need help and support. Um, this is about raising awareness of charities that are out there, yep. as much as it is about raising some good funds to uh, help them out.
0: Yeah, it's so excellent to see someone just going above and beyond, through both mentally and if pushing yourself physically to the limits for to give back to the charities that you're doing that for. So that's awesome, yeah, totally supportive. It'll, ser-
1: it'll certainly be mental, mate. Yeah,
0: mental. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, and anyone wants to follow Ash on the Facebook, I follow him at the moment, and he puts up his training and all that, and it's really cool to watch. So make sure you, and he motivates you. So I started doing like massive runs as well since watching him on there and hurting my knees and everything. So <laughs> it's good, it's motivating. So. Um, it's,
1: and, and as I said, mate, it's about people getting fit. Um, life's so much easier when you're fit. Yep. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do. And you don't have to go to a level of you want to run an ultra marathon to be fit, but just make sure, you know, that people are out there doing something, whether it's a walk in the mornings or it's a light jog or, you know, you're never too old to be fit. Um, and you can choose whether it's just a lifestyle fitness, or you want to take it further and, and drive yourself to do some a, a marathon or a half a marathon or a ten kilometre run. But being fit in life is just a lot easier.
0: Yeah, for sure. It helps. Yeah, helps also to get around at work. If you're an electrician on the on the tools, to be able to move around and think clearly. If you're fit and healthy,
1: it's amazing all the sparkies out there that um, a lot of them are that are still active on the tools. I remember the days of climbing a ladder with two rolls of cable on each arm. And I look at that today, and even though I would say I'm fairly fit at the moment, um, I would struggle to do that now because that's a different level of fitness. So the guys have already got a great level of fitness if they're on the tools. They just need to make sure they maintain something. And uh, I think, you know, using that from a work point of view is, you know, they're well and truly on the way.
0: Yeah, cool. All right, I'd love to break down your mind at the moment because to be able to go. And run a thousand K's in ten days is crazy. So like what if what have you done what what is what would you say the skill like obviously you, you started in the army, so that they've they've started you off, they've wound you up and they're going now, you know, in thirty years you're gonna run a thousand Ks. Uh, so how did you get there? Like what's with your mind, like what's like yeah. what are you going yeah. through at the moment? What's your nutrition plan like? What's your training plan like? And how are you yeah. mentally preparing for this big event?
1: Yeah, so it's been a long journey, mate. there's no question about that. Um, I played Aussie rules for many years and I gave that away at about 28 uh, and I was very fortunate that I didn't do shoulders and knees and, and all those sort of injuries that unfortunately uh, some of the guys suffer. So at 28, I decided to give that away. I was more interested in just the running side of it, the fitness side. So I started out with some uh, small triathlons. I started out with some small fun runs and my goal was always Once you start doing something, you just drive yourself to do the next one. So it started out, you know, a small triathlon of 250-metre swim. uh, I think it was like 12-kilometre bike ride and a four-kilometre run or something like that to I've now done eight Ironmans um, in triathlon, which for those who don't know what they are, it's a 3.8K swim, 180K bike ride, and then finished with a marathon. So that that started from something small to being something big. Uh, Then I looked for the next challenge, and the next challenge was – uh, running marathons was okay, but I wanted to run ultra marathons. So I did a 12 hour race here in Adelaide a couple of years ago, and uh, uh, come third, I think, in that. And ran 102.6 k's in the 12 hours, and that was just something that we pushed ourselves to do. So I suppose I've always been someone who's always looked to drive to the next, the next level. I've I've completed two charity bike rides. So last year, a lot of the guys might remember. I came across the Nullarbor from your home state, mate, back to my home state. Yeah. Uh, that Perth to Adelaide, um, and I've also ridden for Make a Wish in 2006 from Brisbane to Adelaide, and we raised a uh, uh, hundred thousand for that one as well. So um, the mental toughness comes from just pushing yourself to get to that next level and and drive yourself. And um, it's small bites. You know, I'm 46 now, so I'm not a young fella as as such anymore. Yeah. Um, I think I'm still very young in the mind though, and that's what yeah. keeps driving me to do that. Uh, so with this one, it was a challenge to say, I wanna raise really, really good money. So the bike ride across the Nullarbor raised about 120 last year, and I really wanted to do something big. And I thought, well, it's gotta be a big idea if I'm gonna raise the, the likes of $400,000. And and this is what I came up with, 1,000 kilometers in 10 days, 100 kilometers a day, two and a half marathons, and you can keep breaking it down um, to as far as you like. But it needed to be a big idea to get it to get people really involved and, and and excited about it, so that's where that sort of started. So yeah,
0: it sounds um, sounds uh-huh. awesome to say thousand k's in ten days, or oh, hundred k's a day for ten days. They both sound really good. Did you actually think about what you actually committed to?
1: <laughs> no, it's funny. You know, yeah. I, it sounded really good, and I got excited about it uh, back earlier this year. Um, it's funny how many people you run into and they go, that's crazy, that's crazy, that's crazy. I ran into um, Shannon Ponton a couple of weekends ago the, uh, for The Biggest Loser and I had a really good chat with him and I was talking to him about it and he said, no, nah. he, oh, he goes, that's impossible. He goes, I just can't see how you're going to do it. Um, so I suppose every time I, I talk to people and they think, oh, this is just out of control, it drives me a little bit harder yeah. to, to obviously make sure we finish it. And, and I just keep thinking about the kids we're helping Um, the kids that can't get out of bed in the morning to go for a run. Uh, I was out running the other night, uh, just around my local area. And you know, there's a dad pushing his son in a wheelchair. And, and I think, you know, how lucky am I? I've got three, as I said, healthy boys all play footy, all play cricket and, and, and keep themselves fit. And there's a, here's a young boy in a wheelchair and that's what drives me to keep going because I think in the mornings when I'm tired and I feel like I've been hit by a bus and everything hurts. Um, it's just get out of bed, put the sand shoes on and, and head out again because there's so many kids that can't um, and they're the ones we're helping. So that, that, that helps me mentally to keep to keep pushing myself to keep going as well.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so, we've had a couple of questions come through from the uh, uh, um, Successful Electricians Academy. And oh, this is
1: interesting. Yeah. So, if we can <laughs> go through
0: these questions, um, I think it will be good for them to hear. So, sure. first one is, uh, what is your nutrition and training plan like over the festive season?
1: Okay, so it's an interesting one because uh, obviously the festive season's a chance to have some leave from work and enjoy some family time and enjoy, um, obviously with mates and you know Christmas and New Year. So this year I've got to be very strict on it. Um, I'm certainly not. I certainly haven't. Uh, Stopped all the luxuries in life, and uh, I'm happy to have a couple of beers and um, still enjoy that side of it. I just don't. I stop at a couple now. I don't keep going until I hit ten yeah. um, anymore. So, uh, so over the festive New Year season, but I, I probably set myself that I, uh, from a nutrition plan, I've got, I've got one of. Those. I've got a very good dietitian working with me, so we eat all the right things, and um, I've certainly cut, as I said. Uh, the drinking right back and to to the point of really not much at all. But I've set myself that I'm going to allow myself to have a good night New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um. And and enjoy that because I think you have still got to enjoy life while you're doing this. Yeah. Uh, um. Probably struggle through New Year's Day with a run, and then be back on track from there. And I I've actually set myself that uh, from New Year's Day through to the run finishes that that's where I'll then stop with any alcohol consumption at all. Yeah. Um. And really really turn on the. The toughness for um, the sort of the last six weeks into the the start of the run.
0: Cool. Yeah. No, all good. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds like a good challenge. Yeah. Um, that I won't do anytime soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, with your nutrition plan, you're working with a dietitian. What are they recommending that you're eating? Um, how are you fueling your body for this run? Yeah.
1: So at the moment, we're just working through the fueling for the training, and she's been really good. She hasn't taken away uh, a lot of what. I eat today. Um, she's quite happy with what I'm already eating. I try to eat as healthy as I can. Um, I stray every now and then, and that's just part of, I think, one the job and sometimes being normal. Um, but she's she's happy with uh, what I'm eating. I Probably what I've changed is I wasn't eating enough, yeah,
0: to tell you the calorie. truth. I
1: wasn't eating regularly enough, and, and so I've probably taken my portions smaller. So even to the point, you know, uh, last night for dinner, I had a chicken schnitzel. I just don't have a chicken parmesan anymore and I don't have a plate full of chips with it. Yeah. But, um, you know, chicken sits with salad. So I haven't gone and said, oh, I've got to eat, you know, lentils and I've got to eat nuts and I've got to, you know, we, we've kept it pretty normal to cereal in the mornings or, or toast. and But in the, during the day I'm eating smaller meals along the way rather than having the three standard bigger meals throughout it. So that's been one big change for me. Yeah. Uh, and then leading into February – I'll then start to. Uh, she's putting together the event plan now, and that's when I'll start eating what I'll be eating while I'm running. Yeah. So, because the biggest concern is, will my stomach allow me to to eat enough in a day to get through a hundred k's every day for ten days? Yeah. Uh, and that's right. something I've got to I've got to train myself to be able to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Which, uh, and
0: are you taking me. any supplements for your running?
1: I don't, mate. Yeah. I, um, I don't take any at all, uh, other than every now and then a Voltaren to uh, help with a little bit of the swelling. Uh, I've got a bit of a dicky knee at the moment. So I just, Voltarin's probably my, my friend. Um, uh, and you've got to be careful with those, as everyone knows. But I don't take any supplements. I, I rely on what I get out of my nutrition um, to be enough. And, I, and that seems to be doing me well at the moment.
0: Cool. And your yeah. training plan? How much are you training? How much are you running? What are you doing coming up? Are you tapering into the event?
1: Yeah, so at the moment I'm just over the 200, about 200 a week um, and trying to fit it in around work. Uh, So next week work finishes and I've got a month off and that's when I'll start to, I'll do less frequency but bigger volume runs. So that's where my 50s and my 60s will come into it. And I've got planned through the month off to have 400K runs in there. Um, and then I come back to work uh, towards the end of January, and that's when I'll start to taper. I won't do a massive taper, but I will have taper. I'll probably slow the runs down a bit, still have some decent distances in there so the body doesn't adapt back too fast. Yeah. Um, but I won't have the, as big a volume or as big a frequency um, just to make sure we're ready to go. So. Yeah. Um, and, and as fresh as you can be on day one.
0: Yeah. What do you see as the biggest challenge you're going to face? Is it the calorie intake and your gut being able to handle the amount of calories taken or is it going to be something else a dicky knee or something else
1: well I, you know the body's always going to be a concern about what what it feels like what it is i've got great support crew coming great masseur and medic and the like so the body will be the body um i think i spoke to a guy the other day that did the sahara desert challenge and he said his biggest challenge that's five days 265 k's in the in the sahara desert <sighs> He said his biggest challenge was drinking enough um, and his kidney started to play up. And he said he hadn't prepared himself in training to drink as much as he was going to need to drink in the in the event. So he ended up, towards the end of the event, he was drinking 22 litres of water a day. Whoa. To, to get through the event because of, one, the heat and, and two, just the distances they were covering. Um, so the the heat, certainly in February, the heat's a big concern for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if we do get hit with a big week of 40 degrees and coming in off the bitumen road what well, you know how will we make sure we maintain enough um, intake yeah um, that that's probably it's probably the fluids is the one for me that that makes me the most nervous that can I drink enough and often enough
0: mm, cool I'd like to try and tie this back into electrical if we can so like sure. with what you're learning now like how would this apply to something like an event like a rewire or a big job that you've got? How is like this like comparing it to that? Yeah. What would you say is the, the similarities uh, and how could someone use what be motivated by what you're doing now, but bring it to their work?
1: Yeah. I think it's the planning. Um when when you decide you're gonna do an event like we're doing, uh where we've got to talk, you know, we've got to get support crew, we've got to get vehicles, we've got to tell the police what we're doing so we're actually allowed on the roads, um, setting up Media, TV stations to meet us, setting up um, towns to join us and help raise money and things like that. The amount of planning that goes into the event is astronomical. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I've learned a lot through this event, even more so than the other two charity events I've done, in regards to being um, well prepared and planned for what you're doing. So, from a work point of view, if you're well prepared and planned, and you know you turn up on the job with all the materials ready to go, you know what you're doing. You briefed your team in what they need to do. Um, then that's what I could, what I would take into a day to day job now. Yeah. Um, and I use these skills on next year's Clips of 500 that we're, I think, even a lot better playing than we've ever been. Um, bringing all of these skills to the forefront. So. Cool. Sure.
0: And to, while we're talking about skills, what would say, what would you say is the number one skill that you've developed to help you keep? moving forward in your work and in yeah. pushing it, you're talking about before how you keep pushing yourself to the next level. What's yeah. the skill there that you've, you've developed and you've learned to develop and how can people do what you've done by developing that?
1: Um, yeah, it's an interesting one because a lot of it is personal and it's personal drive. Uh, if you've got that drive and that uh, skill to, to want to always achieve, um, you will um, even with, a lot of setbacks that happen in life and they're just normal for everyone around the place. Uh, You just got to look to the positives. I think the skill is remain positive at all times, Um, half full, not half empty. Yeah. Um, And we all get dished with, with things that we've got to deal with from time to time. So I think if you can remain positive in everything you do and, you know, it's not just you out there that's, that's getting these knockbacks, you know, there's a lot of other people in the same boat. Um, And I think, uh, make sure uh you know one big skill i've learned from a leadership point of view is is give your team the chance to develop as well so give them opportunities to develop don't do everything for them let them go out and learn themselves let them have a chance so set the direction and then let them go and put it all together rather than uh you do it all for them and then they just um complete the task
0: yeah cool and you're saying that um you've always been driven but like at the moment you just said before that you were driven by when you're feeling it out and you run you're driven by knowing you're helping those kids but Mm. what was it before when you're a contractor or an electrician or in the army what drove you to to be successful Uh,
1: in the army what drove me was probably the discipline side and um not uh, copying the wrath of that, the biggest guy I've ever seen in my life. Uh,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so probably trying to do the
1: right thing. And so that that sort of drove me there. And, and you know, when I had my own business, um, and I'm not afraid to say it, money drove me really hard um, because we need it to live. And depending on what sort of lifestyle you, you want is depending on how much you essentially need, I suppose. Yep. So money was a real driver for me, but also success and growing a business and having people... Um, that were working for you, that you're you're obviously supplying a job to. That was a big driver as well.
0: Yeah, cool, awesome. All right, well, I'll move on to the next question from uh, Bennett. This one, or that question there, the training plan was from Tony. This next one's from Bennett. Uh, what's your most influential book that you've read and why?
1: So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good question and it's a, not a hard one to to come up with and it's probably a bit controversial. It's Lance Armstrong's not about the bike. Um, Now, we all know the trouble he's had over time. Um, But when you read what he went through with his cancer and how he drove himself to get out of bed in the pouring rain and the hail and the sleep and get on the bike and keep training and get himself back to being fit, it's probably – I took a lot from that book about – and I talk about being fit and how much it helps you in life just handle everything that's thrown your way. That was something I took from that book that – you know, no matter what you do, if you've got your health and your fitness, you can get through anything. Yeah. And sure, he got himself right back to an unbelievable level and he was a talented athlete. Um, some will uh, probably uh, disagree because he had some some help, but whether he got to the front or he was mid-pack, he was still in the world-class cycling event yep. um, that, that you need to be that super athlete to even get close to yeah. making that. Um, and I think just taking that from his book about what he needed to do and how he drove himself to get up, even when he felt so sick um, from the chemo and the likes, he just got on the bike and away he went um, and had that, that mental toughness to get through it. Yeah,
0: that's the drive and the mindset again coming in. That's yeah. your theme here.
1: <laughs> it, is, it is. It is. It is. It's a big part of it. Yeah,
0: cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, so what advice would you give to your younger self, say, if you were 30, Uh, Again, but you knew what you knew today. What would you do differently
1: in business? uh, I would have put a bookkeeper on early. I would have said early, yeah, early on in my business, I would have put a bookkeeper straight into the business so that uh, I was using my skills at a customer facing point of view and and winning jobs. And someone in the background was doing all of that work because we know as electricians we're not the best at keeping the books. this, and there's a lot of guys out there that aren't the best at sending the invoices and the like. So I think if you can keep up with that side of the business, which most of us that are hands-on don't like, um, then you, your business will flourish quickly.
0: Yeah, I think also now with the internet, there's great opportunities for people to spend you know six or seven dollars an hour to get a virtual assistant. Now, like yeah. they can do yeah. basic administration work for you, and if, how much will that free you up? If you can pay someone you know, 80, 70 or $80 a day, Yeah. what's that worth to you? That's like less than an hour's worth of work that you're getting chargeable time. So, yeah, yeah no, that's good. Yeah, that,
1: that, that was, that as one thing, that would be the one thing.
0: How would that have changed? If you did put a bookkeeper on earlier, what was the struggles you were facing because you didn't have a bookkeeper and what would have it know, done?
1: Cash flow was a big struggle, uh, especially early on, mate. Um, you know, keeping up with it and you, you, you know what it's like, here. Yeah. Being an electrician's exceptionally physical when you're on the tools. So you would spend a whole day uh, on the tools and then you'd have to come back to the office or generally most of back at home and then sit there for a couple of hours doing your bookwork and, and keeping up, especially with, with Bass and the likes nowadays, makes it even more involved than when I started. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the last thing you need. You need to go home after working a, a physically demanding job and, and be able to relax and plan for the next day, yeah. not go home and start thinking, oh, now I've got to do that invoice for that person. And your invoices start to drag out to a month before you send them off. So your your cash flow really struggles. And then people who have just had a job done but don't get an invoice straight away then think, oh, well, I don't have to hurry to pay it because he wasn't in a hurry to send it to me. Yep. So you have those struggles as well. So I think cash flow is a massive, massive thing you've got to keep up with. Um, and that's what would have changed it for me.
0: Do you think the faster you can get your invoice to the customer, the faster they pay?
1: Oh, look, yeah for those guys out there that aren't on eft nowadays and and billing the customer on the spot because everyone's got a credit card nowadays everyone's got an fpos card checks are a thing of the past and 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 probably cash is too nowadays i would imagine is pretty light on so if you've got an eft machine in your van uh, and they can just swipe their card all your worries are gone yeah it's just easy yeah. yeah
0: yeah do the work get paid
1: yeah. Move on. Yeah, why not? Why not? Well, you don't get your groceries from Coles and say so I'll be back next week to pay.
0: Yeah, I'll send you a check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send it late. And I'll send it really yeah. late. And I get and I'll get lost in the mail. <laughs> and all the other things. <laughs> sure. Cool. No, that's awesome. Uh, a lot of people will benefit from that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um no worries. what is the most used and recommended apps and online tools that you're using?
1: Ah. Uh, Look, mate, from my point of view at the moment, it's Strava and Garmin Connect. Uh, They measure my every movement pretty much, Um, even to the point uh, if I'm having a – what I would call a rest day, um, I might uh, even take the dog for a walk and, and walk him 10Ks. I'll put Garmin Connect on, so I'm still recording everything I'm doing, recording all the calories I'm burning. So I know that um, I'm keeping up with where I need to be, yep. um, whether it's a fast run, a slow run, or a walk, or, or the likes. And even when I take my paddleboard out on on the lake, I put it on and I have a seven-kilometer um, track. I go around on the paddleboard as a bit of cross-training. I record that as well. So from a Strava point of view, it allows people to follow me so they can get on board and follow me on Strava if they want to. And from a Garmin Connect, I've got everything there I can look at. You know, did I was I uh, – Right through my whole run, was I stable in my speeds? Did I go up? Did I go down? Um, Did I struggle towards the end of the run? Do I need to go a bit slower at the start to finish strongly? Things like that. So they're the two that I would work today purely because of what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, cool. And how would that, if someone was an electrician out in the field, could they benefit from these apps as well? how would they benefit?
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think if you can measure everything you do, uh, you can then look back and think, yeah, that worked or that didn't work. Whether it's a business app that measures um, your margins, now, I'm not sure how many guys even playing margins out there. And you know, the, I, I know talking to Sparkies, um, you know, if they're making a good turnover, they think they're making a good dollar. Um, and so, you know, whether they're measuring their margins or measuring their their, their money in or money out or you know, even pricing at a wholesaler and things like that, there's apps out there that you can use to measure all of that. And I think if you're across your business and measuring everything you do, uh, you'll be a lot better business.
0: Yeah, and you can look for that next level of development in your in what yeah. you do and everything you do. Absolutely. Cool. Yep. Um, yep. So is there anything that you would like to share with uh, the electrical community and the general public uh, about what you're doing at the moment? or?
1: Oh mate, as I said, it's, um, it's a big task that I've put forward for myself and all the support that we can gather, whether it's uh, messages of support on Facebook for me, which just keeps me going, keeps me motivated. Whether people can spare $5 or $10. Um, or the third one is get out there and do something yourself. You know, while I'm running for 10 days, maybe someone can do some exercise for 10 days, raise some money that way, you know, with their family and friends and donate it to a charity. Yeah. You know, if this is enough to, to motivate people out there to do something, then I'm winning anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now you're definitely a, a inspiration and motivation to to me, and I know a lot of other people. I've I've told your story to, are like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's awesome. So well done. I can't yeah. wait to see how you go, and looking forward to watching it uh, unfold.
1: Yeah, well, you'll get a lot of you'll get a lot of footage uh, from a media perspective, and then also obviously through social media. So everyone will be able to follow the pretty much live what we're doing and where we're up to, and. And, and the struggles that we're getting into um, with how the body's going and and what's are happening. you going
0: to go live on Facebook or anything?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I've got I've actually got my eldest son coming for the ten days, and he'll be my social media manager. We've called him. Yeah. So he'll uh, he'll be right next to me, you know, running Facebook live with me. We've got we've got GoPros, we've got three sixty degree flies, we've got all sorts. We've got Channel Ten. We've got lots and lots of uh, opportunity where we'll be talking to everyone and just letting them know how I feel. Even probably at the point where I'm getting a massage and just telling people how we went for the day and how we're feeling and times it's taking and, and things like that. And, and and the idea after about three or four days is we're getting stronger. So to see that transformation in my body, um, to be able to share that with everyone so they understand that as well. So there'll be lots and lots of opportunity for people to be able to follow.
0: Yeah, cool. And when we're following, is there going to be an easy way to donate and support and, and show that like live feed like Telethon sort of does?
1: Yeah, so, be awesome. so there'll, be two things, there'll be two things happening, mate. We'll have the website running, which is at Clipsaw.com forward slash Club 1000 with the Donate Now button. And I'll also be running an online auction for the whole 10 days I'm running of sports memorabilia. Cool. And I'm just saying to clearly, there'll be about 20 items at this stage by the looks of it from uh, race suits from James Courtney, Nick Percat, to football jumpers, to footballs, to golf bags, to Adam Scott signed memorabilia. And we're just collecting more now. Um, people will be able to go on and, under uh, uh, an online auction, and the minute I finish at the Clipsal 500 on the start-finish line, the auction will cease. So there's an opportunity there for people to, to uh, make some bids and maybe pick up an item for themselves and help a great
0: charity. Let's um, d- just uh, – I don't think we covered exactly what you're going to be doing in the race. Can you run us from start to finish? Because Yeah, sure. So
1: I leave on February the 22nd from Melbourne. Yep. So from the Clipsal Schneider office in uh, Notting Hill in Melbourne, and each day our, we, we'll be pushing to do about from probably about 105 or so kilometres a day um, for nine days. And we'll be going along the Great Ocean Road uh, through Victoria then into South Australia. And then on the last day we're trying to be down around the 40 or 50 kilometre mark only to do. And at about 12.31 o'clock we'll be heading into the of 500 track on the Friday, um, which is the second day, running up the main straight and uh, getting the chequered flag to uh, call it to a finish so um, awesome. for after the 10 days. So that'll be pretty exciting. Um, hopefully I'm still running by then. Yeah. Uh, otherwise it might be a slow main straight finish. Or a
0: wheelchair.
1: <laughs> or a wheelchair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're threatening to get me in a golf cart, so yeah. uh, I've, got to keep, I've got to keep running away from them.
0: <laughs> cool. And is there anything happening at all that you wanted to share?
1: Oh look! We've just had an exciting launch of, an, of a new range of product called Iconic. Um, it's a new residential range of light switches, PowerPoints, and it's a uh, it's a smart range with a lot of things coming in the new year in regards to Bluetooth connectivity and being able to do three way, four way switching um, through all these uh, new Bluetooth connected opportunities through your mobile phone to be able to turn your lights on and off, dim them, and things like that. So we're really excited about that. It's uh, you know it's it's it's. Uh, Uh, Probably from a, um, what we would say, a a basic range of switches and PowerPoints. You know, uh, the last one was um, Slimline that we did in that regard. Um, So that's a really exciting uh, time for us. And uh, certainly in the new year, everyone will see a lot more opportunities with that range. So uh, we'll continue to develop. We'll continue to try to stay number one and ahead of the pack. And if we can keep bringing out new products for the Sparkies out there, there's something new to offer to your customers with an opportunity to, to install more.
0: Cool. Awesome. And get up and show me your shirt. I haven't seen it. Club Clipsel, 1000. 1000. <laughs> yeah. For <the> kids. Awesome. <laughs> I thought
1: I'd wear that for today, mate. Yeah,
0: cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks again for coming on board. And uh, everyone at the Electrician Success Academy, thanks you so much. And uh, everyone's listening on the podcast. Uh, out there share this you know share this with everyone and and get the word out for the charity that ash is uh, supporting so thank you ash
1: fantastic fantastic greg appreciate it have a great day you too mate see you mate
0: hey guys thank you so much for being here just a reminder use the promo code p-o-d-c-a-s-t podcast all in capital letters at checkout at the electrician success academy to get a lifetime 10% off for being one of our awesome listeners here at the Electrician Success Podcast. Anyway, have a fantastic day. I hope you're crushing it out there and I'll see you in the next episode.